T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Dave Leventhal. Dave, good morning. Thank you for joining me on this Bills game day. Oh, my, my, my pleasure. So, so wait, we're, we're talking not all about the Buffalo Bills this morning? We're, uh, we're, we're going to talk about politics? My, my text might, may have been misleading. Okay. Well, hey, you know, go Bills. Go Bills indeed. I, I can't wait. And, you know, the Jets announced, we will get to political talk, I promise. The Jets announced it's a sellout. How many of those fans in, in New Jersey today are going to be Bills fans? Well, based on my personal experience uh, sitting in M&T Bank Stadium when the Bills uh, in the last second of the game beat the Baltimore Ravens, and I was there with, I'd say, roughly 15,000 to 20,000 Bills fans, I, I, I got to think the uh, quick trip to uh, New Jersey would be uh, definitely a, an attraction for a few people in the western New York area. And don't forget, you have a lot of uh, Michigan fans who are making a double trip. They're going to see Michigan at Rutgers and then the Bills the next day in New Jersey. Uh, a fun football weekend for them. Uh, w- without question, and, and hopefully in a couple of hours, a very very fun football weekend uh, for, for us Buffalonians and beyond. I'm hoping so. And you know what else is uh, fun for some of us? Election Day, Dave. And uh, it's just a few days away. Before we get into specific uh, races and what's going on, I want to take you back to last week. The president gave a speech that I found was very similar to the speech he gave in Philadelphia. Now, you can you know view this however you want, but there's half the country that viewed that as a final push before people go to the polls. Hey, it very much was. And, uh, <laughs> you know, you, you can't view these speeches in a vacuum. And, and, and the, the non-vacuum that we're in right now is the fact that Election Day is, is just uh, literally 48 hours away, not even. And so as a result, uh, that this is a, you know, under the guise of an official event, uh, very much a political push and, and a message that he's trying to send, of course, all Americans, but specifically ones who – maybe kind of on the fence right now and wondering, eh, do I show up to the polls? Do I cast my early voting ballot uh, kind of at the last second here? Do I vote for Democrats? Do I sit it out? Do I vote for Republicans or, or something of that sort? And, you know, he's uh, kind of painting a, a very gloomy picture of what he believes would happen if Republicans control the House and the Senate, uh, that gains that he believes he can stand on and that Democrats in particular can Stand on whether those be economic, whether those be health-related, education-related. That uh, that those will go away if Republicans are able to block the Biden agenda going forward for the second half of Joe Biden's first term. Now, is that message going to be effective? We're going to find out pretty darn soon. But 
Republicans are feeling quite confident right now, and especially the many political operatives I've talked to who are just saying, hey, things are trending our way. They don't know if it's going to be the proverbial red wave or not that they would like, but feeling pretty confident that they're at least going to win the House and quite possibly the Senate. Now, Dave, uh, in that speech, he talked about how, you know, it could take days to get some of these uh, election results. Now, during the week, we spoke with our election commissioners, Democrat and Republican. We also spoke with Rick Klein in D.C., uh, the commissioners here in Erie County said it's a fast but thorough process. Uh, Rick Klein uh, kind of agreed with the president. Uh, you being in D.C., what do you take of the president saying, hey, it could, ta- it could take days for some of these closer races? It, it could take days for these closer races. But the bigger question is, is that going to matter? If, you know, what I'm looking for, and, and I know a lot of my colleagues at Insider We're looking for sort of those, uh, you know, lean Democrat races where it seems like a Democrat should win. That might be, you know, here kind of close uh, to D.C., the Abigail Spanberger House race in Virginia, definitely the Pennsylvania Senate race with John Fetterman and Mehmet Oz. If if those cut the way of Republicans, even though the Democrats might, might have sort of a advantage on paper, then it might be a pretty quick night. And we might find out quite early who's going to control the House or the Senate, because those close races, and there are going to be some close races, they're ultimately not going to matter. But there's definitely a scenario, too, where things are close. And in some of the races that that are close or even toss-ups are not decided at 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock on election night, and we go into late into the evening, we go into Wednesday morning, and the math just hasn't added up yet. In that case, some of the states that are slower to count They may have a lot of mail-in ballots because every election is different in how it's run. Every state does it a different way. Uh, Then that's going to matter. And and we're not going to have necessarily a clear, crystal clear picture on who is controlling what. We may know the results of lots of races around the country, but we may not necessarily immediately know the results of who controls the House and who controls the Senate. Dave, now looking at those races, and there's so many going on, uh, I was watching, uh, I think it was, Banfield or Dan Abrams this week talk about Democrats who put money into certain candidates, Republican candidates in the Republican primary that now are in close races with the people they gave money to. Can you sort that out? <laughs> well, if, if this, if as you described it, that that ultimately happens, and, and Republicans who Democrats were supporting in the primary, and, and this happened. This is a very real and striking phenomenon where, in essence, you had Democrats who were funneling money into the coffers or supporting uh, with with big time money the prospects of Republicans who were very, very, very far to the right. And the idea being, hey, if they win in the primary, then they're going to be easy pickings in the general election. The Democrats are going to have a much, much easier go at it to defeat the Republican in the election. But yes, if some of these Republicans who had very ironically, been backed by Democrats in the primary, go on to beat Democrats in the general election. That will be the biggest, most colossal self-owned fail that, that we have seen in a long time, particularly if it matters to the ultimate equation of whether Democrats do control either the House or the Senate or both. So, you know, there's there's nothing to indicate that that is going to happen yet. But again, we are going to find out very soon. And that will be a, a massive backfire uh, on the part of Democrats if, if that indeed does come to pass. 
And let's talk about some of those elections. And let's start right here in New York State. Uh, you know, I mean, you can say what you want about polls. Uh, I always, you know, look at polls, but always question them at the same time, uh, Dave. But you can't ignore that Kathy, Governor Kathy Hochul has brought in uh, Vice President Kamala Harris, Hillary Clinton. She's had ads done by Barack Obama. This governor's race is closer than anyone thought. It is. And to, to set the backdrop here, uh, to set the stage, there, there are 36 gubernatorial elections going on around the country. Oftentimes, the, the race for the House and the Senate uh, will supersede the talk of governorships. Uh, but, but, you know, the New York state governor's race is kind of part and parcel of, uh, of the other side of that coin, which is that uh, the control of state houses is absolutely key and absolutely critical. Just ask anyone who is affected by the redistricting process just uh, earlier this year, and in many, many states had high, high drama in regards to that. And, and of course, any local or rather state-level decision that's going to be made, uh, and you, you can lump in everything from transportation to abortion to many of the other factors and issues that people care about that that are, in fact, much more state matters and federal levels. So that that is uh, or federal matters. So that is the preamble in New York. Kathy Hochul is, you know, not out of the clear yet. And, and I agree with you. You know, polls are imperfect, but, but they're imperfect by design. They are snapshots in time. They test the temperature as it stands today. They attempt to predict the future, at least to some degree. But one thing that they don't account for, polls that is, is how many people ultimately show up, how many people vote. It's one thing to respond to an online poll or take a phone call and say, oh, yeah, I support Kathy Hochul or oh, yeah, I support Lee Zeldin, the Republican. Uh, but it's another thing to physically go and cash your ballot. And many people who might feel a certain way don't necessarily ultimately act. And as a result, even if it's just, you know, five or 10 percent who don't go to the polls or, you know, uh, or, or, or take an action that uh, is different than what they would have said in a poll, that can be a huge difference. And, and that's why some of the polls that even are taken very close to Election Day, late October, early November, the results of an election can be different. And in New York State may be one of those races right now where what the polls are saying and what the reality is on late November 8th or early November 9th, uh, that it may not necessarily match up. So, uh, again, we will see. But this is a tighter race than we ever would have thought it would have been two, three, four months ago. You know, Dave, and I'll look at the 2020 results in New York State and see Joe Biden won by 23 percent. But that doesn't always equal the same thing for local elections. Uh, let's look at Kansas. Kansas, pres former President Donald Trump won by 15 percent. They currently have a Democratic governor and looking like she could be reelected. So sometimes those national elections don't always show you what's going to happen in state or local elections. This is a great point, Joe, and an underappreciated one. And what, what people do in the state for their governor's office is often wildly different than what they're going to do when voting in a presidential race. I'll you know, add two more states to that list. One is Massachusetts, which has a history of voting for Republican governors, even though it's about as blue a state as you're going to find in the United States and, and would never elect a Republican <laughs> these days to the Senate uh, and, and, and usually the House. So, so that's one you know, major factor there. And, and another is Maryland and uh, Larry Hogan, the governor of Maryland, who 
maybe eyeballing a potential anti-Trump run as a Republican in 2024. Uh, he was elected and, and very, very popular. He was term limited, so that's why he's not running again, but very popular in a state that is uh, also about as blue as it gets. So, yeah, uh, just uh, the the presidential results uh, of, of a state uh, are, are not at all a uh, perfect barometer by any stretch of the imagination or measure um, when, it, when it comes to what's going to happen uh, at the state level with some states. Now, uh, focusing on Senate, one of those close Senate races that seems to be getting a lot of attention uh, the last few days is Pennsylvania with uh, John Fetterman and Dr. Oz. Uh, on Thursday, Dr. Oz's former employer, uh, Oprah Winfrey, uh, threw her pers- uh, support behind John Fetterman. But this is this is anyone's uh, game heading into Election Day, right? It really is. And I, I mean, talk talk about ironies. Uh, Oprah Winfrey made Dr. Oz for all intents and purposes. So for her to come out against him kind of at the last minute is uh, is interesting, to say the least. And, you know, even talk about Oprah Winfrey, Winfrey might uh, try to make an independent bid for president. It's probably not going to happen, but uh, it's fun to play the uh, rumor and innuendo game. Right. Uh, and so she's uh, the, the fact that she's even delving into politics at this point in the fashion that she has is notable in and of itself. But this is a very close race. The polls have been all over the place in this. Uh, Fetterman was up and then Oz was up and now the polls have tightened. So I think you can call this race a true toss up where either result will not be surprising if Fetterman wins or if Oz wins. Uh, it, it, it's probably equally plausible that either scenario will, will come to be when this race uh, ultimately is decided. But if this is a super close race, and it very well could be, and it's decided by just a, you know, a couple of tenths of a percentage point or even one percentage point, this could be a race where we are not going to know uh, on the night of Tuesday or even Wednesday morning who won that race. And it will go to you know, absentee ballots uh, or military ballots or all the other ones that uh, are not going to necessarily be counted right away as the election is done and can, in fact, come in after the election day, so long as they were postmarked, uh, you know, today or tomorrow. So that's going to be one to absolutely watch. But again, if Dr. Oz pulls it out and, and it's decisive and he wins by five or six percentage points, and, and we do know on Tuesday that, that he is the winner of that race, then that is going to portend very, very, very bad things for Democrats. And it's probably going to mean very, very, very good things for Republicans uh, when it comes to that overarching national question of who controls Congress. And there's a few other Senate races I want to talk about, but I want to stay in Pennsylvania for a second because there's also a gubernatorial race in Pennsylvania. Now, Dave, I have to admit, I have not looked at any recent polls. Is this the kind of thing where how the Senate goes, the governor's race will go? No, it is not. And uh, I, I would not be surprised if, if John Fetterman ultimately you know, loses this race, the Democrat, and, and Mehmet Oz wins the race, the Republican, that uh, in this race, the uh, Republican running for governor, uh, Mastriano, loses. And he's a candidate who is a lot of people are skeptical about. Some Republicans are very uncomfortable with. Democrats have tried to paint him as this sort of ultra right winger, have called him a fascist. I mean, he, and he, he has run his campaign in a way that his 
been disconcerting to especially some conservative leaning independents. So this could be a real race where people split their ticket. Uh, they they split their ballot and, and they vote for Dr. Oz, but they don't vote for Mastriano. And as a result, uh, you know, you you have a Democrat is the governor and a Republican is Senate. It's a a very real scenario in Pennsylvania. That's not always going to be the case. In fact, it's, uh, you know, fairly atypical. I think it's fair to say, Joe, uh, these days for for that to happen in a state, but a state like Pennsylvania, a state like New Hampshire, even a state like Georgia, I, I think are a couple of other places around the country where the governor and the senator or key House members are of different parties because voters decided that uh, instead of just voting for red or voting for blue, they are going to consider every candidate on their merits, and they may vote differently and cross their parties depending on how they feel about those candidates. Let's look to Georgia, where there is a close gubernatorial race, and there's also a close Senate race that seems to be getting a lot of the attention it got so many years ago. Now, and, and the one four years ago is, is still stands as the most expensive uh, U.S. Senate race uh, in history. This one is going to approach that in terms of the level of spending. And if we were, I don't know, uh, talking on uh, radio in Atlanta right now or Macon or Albany, Georgia, not New York, then we would be having a very different conversation because it would be absolutely positively incessant with the television ads and the radio ads and the messages coming to your mailbox every day. So a very different kind of situation. So, um, but that's, this is the uh, Raphael Warnock, Senator Raphael Warnock, the Democrat, Herschel Walker, the Republican. There, there has been extreme drama in that race for sure, much on the Herschel Walker end, uh, particularly with questions over whether he paid for uh, girlfriends of his to have abortions and his stances on different issues, whether he's parading around as a fake police officer, um, you know, lots of stuff going on there. But at the same time, too, if he gets elected, then he could be the literally the person who determines whether the Senate goes red instead of goes uh, instead of it going blue. So, as a result of that show, Republicans have not abandoned him. They have stuck with him by and large. They have dumped a ton of money in there. And Raphael Warnock is, you know, Georgia's a really, truly purple state. Uh, this could go either way. Uh, Warnock sneaked in, snuck in, squeezed in, whatever, you know, verb you want to use here last time around. And uh, in, in, now he's seeking a full term. So he's not wildly popular. He is uh, definitely somebody who is vulnerable, and Republicans just see a massive opportunity there, which is uh, simply, you know, the the reason through and through why uh, why Herschel Walker is uh, getting the support that that he's getting from uh, from Republicans. Now, the governor's race in Georgia not as close as the uh, race for Senate. Probably pretty close, and and this is the Stacey Abrams is the is a Democrat here and. You know, I mean, you, you've got a, a situation where she is a national figure for Democrats. Uh, she lost four years ago. She could very well lose again this time around. Um, but, uh, you know, it's going to be a close race. But going back to your point that you made about splitting tickets or uh, a Democratic governor, or Republican senator or vice versa, very possible that, that that could be the case here, that Stacey Abrams, a Democrat, loses that Raphael Warnock, the Democrat running for Senate, wins. Wouldn't be a surprising scenario there, Joe. 
Now, I want to head over to Colorado because, like Brian Kemp, uh, the Republican Senate candidate in Colorado uh, has had pushback from former President Donald Trump, but yet that Senate race is now starting to get some uh, national headlines. Is that one a toss-up, or is that one leaning one way or the other? I, I would be I'd be surprised if that goes Republican. Uh, Colorado is is definitely been trending blue lately. Not to say that it is absolutely a foregone conclusion that that is going to be a Democratic win, but at the same time, too, uh, you know, Colorado 15, 20 years ago, pretty purple state. Uh, it, it's not nearly as purple now. And uh, when you look at uh, the uh, governor's races. And Senate races uh, from recent times, uh, that this seems like it's going to be a little bit of a safer situation for Democrats, uh, but but nothing is guaranteed here. And I, I can't let you go without asking about Florida. There's the gubernatorial race. We saw the president, uh, Joe Biden, down there um, campaigning for Charlie Crist, the former Republican governor. And we also have the Senate race uh, with uh, Congresswoman Val Demings and Senator Marco Rubio. Anything surprising uh, to come out of Florida? <laughs> well, if you were listening to the late, great Tim Russert uh, 20 plus years ago, he'd, he'd be pointing at his whiteboard and saying Florida, 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 and doing it in the context of Florida being a purple state. Florida is not a purple state anymore. Like Colorado is not a purple state and has gone blue. Florida is more or less a state that has gone from purple to red. So fully expect that Ron DeSantis, the current governor, who may very well have presidential aspirations. We're going to find out probably very soon if Donald Trump uh, is going to run for election in 2024, and that that will have a direct effect on Ron DeSantis's play from there. But he's got to win the he's got to win his governor's race first. And it looks like he will uh, against uh, a sort of, uh, you know, campaign that, that's been relatively mediocre from Charlie Chris, a Democrat running against him, who has a heck of a lot less money than Ron DeSantis has. And he, he's a former governor himself, Charlie Chris, uh, served in the House, but uh, is seemingly running out of political steam uh, at this point. Many more uh, Republicans who, who are registered as uh, it, it Republican or many more Floridians who are registered Republican than Democrats. So it's a very hard hill to climb for any statewide Democrat running for statewide office, be it the governor's office uh, or other state offices or, or for the U.S. Senate. And on the Senate side, Marco Rubio, he's popular. Val Demings is, is making a hard charge. She has raised a ton of money, but it, it, it's a little more likely that uh, she could pose a, a serious challenge to Marco Rubio. Her win would be a colossal upset if that came to pass. But Marco Rubio, if you got money that you're going to put on that race, uh, put it on Rubio. It looks like he's in good shape. Now, I want to talk about early voting that's been going on uh, for the last week or so. You know, uh, Dave, a few years ago, early voting, it was, you know, all Democrats, not all, all early votes were Democrats and then Republicans would vote on Election Day. I know that's still the case, but we are seeing more Republicans get to the polls early um, than we probably saw four or five years ago, correct? Yes, and it's different for every state. And this is another situation where what is true in New York is different than what it is in Texas or California or Florida or anywhere else. So the rules for early voting are, are different. Some places you can mail your ballot in. Other places you go to a voting center. Some are all of the above. There are a few where it's none of the above. So 
as a result of that, it, it's difficult to make generalizations about early voting across a country since state by state by state, it's a different situation. Now, that said, there's a reason early voting is popular with a lot of people, including Republicans, uh, which is that it's convenient. You might have something to do on Election Day. You may have to work. <laughs> you may have responsibilities with your children or your grandchildren. You may be on vacation and out of town. So as a result of uh, having the option to go and cash your ballot a few days before Election Day appeals to a lot of people, especially if you don't have to you know, request an absentee ballot and wait for it and then send it in. Uh, there are other options now available to people. So, you know, as we're talking today and don't have the final numbers uh, exactly as of Sunday, but at least as of Friday, uh, we, we had, you know, roughly 30 million early votes that uh, had been cast across the country, which will tick up a little bit before Election Day. I mean, that's a significant number for a midterm election and, and speaks again to exactly what you described, which is sort of the overall popularity of having that option, even though many people would much prefer just simply to vote on Election Day and do the, the vast majority of people still do it that way. And, you know, of those early voters, I was one because, you know, Dave, it's a, this is a very busy job to be in on Election Day. And I noticed looking at my ballot, um, you know, the Libertarian Party, not on the ballot in New York State. Um, I know they're on in other states, but is that the problem for these third parties? You know, you see Andrew Yang out there trying to start a third party. Just getting on the ballot and staying on the ballot. I mean, in New York State, in Erie County, we had five parties represented on a ballot. Is that the struggle for these non-Democrat or Republican parties? Yeah, I mean, we, we could spend a whole show talking about ballot access for third parties or, or small parties, and, and it's been a decades-long issue. Uh, many of the uh, Libertarians or Green Party candidates or Andrew Yang has his forward party now. They they I have long bemoaned that it's difficult uh, to get on the ballot. But, you know, you do uh, under most rules, which are different, again, from state to state by and large. And uh, if you're not on the ballot or you're having to rely on write-in votes or something like that, that is just not a recipe for success and building some sort uh, of a movement away from the Republican-Democrat binary that – we have in place right now. So it's not impossible for a libertarian to win office. There have been examples of libertarians and greens and in even other minor parties uh, winning at the local level, even on a few occasions at state level. Independents have had some measure of success. Bernie Sanders, even though he's a seemingly a Democrat through and through, is still technically an independent uh, among others. And uh, but, yeah, ballot access is, is critical. <laughs> it's everything, really. And if you don't have it, then you're on the outside looking in. You have your freedom of speech, but you are not going to have uh, your ability to enact legislation or pull the level levers of power in Albany or any other state capital around the country. Dave, how busy is your uh, election day this year? Just slightly, you know, a little bit going on, <laughs> but... Uh, a a uh, self-serving plug here. We have a wonderful article that uh, one of my colleagues, Kayla Gallagher, and several others wrote called Everything You Need to Know About Voting in the 2022 Midterm Elections. It's on Insider, and uh, I would encourage people to read it because it's just a really informative and engaging and fun and, and visual piece uh, that if you have any lingering questions at this point, with two days left, uh, this, this kind of uh, answers all your questions and solves uh, all your problems uh, about voting, how to do it, and, and what's at stake here. 
And speaking of that election day, our coverage will be all day on WBEN. And Dave, you'll be uh, one of our early guests uh, on your Tuesday morning 650 hit with Susan and Brian. As always, it will be my pleasure. Well, Dave, take in the game today. Enjoy the game because I know the next uh, few days are going to be very busy. I thank you so much for joining me this morning. My pleasure. Go Bills. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.